What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome back. We're still at Daytona, but the good news is that NASCAR is back. We're coming off the Daytona 500, heading into the Daytona Road Course. Uh, I'm joined by Matt Sells, two-time FSWA NASCAR Writer of the Year, and he's coming off a fantastic weekend of uh, Daytona 500 DFS. Yeah, that was that was a pretty ridiculous sweat there, because um, you know if. You watch the race when it started. It first of all, the race took what nine and a half hours. Yeah, it started at like three Eastern, three p.m. Eastern. It ended at like twelve thirty a.m. Eastern, because um, there was like a six-hour rain delay in the middle of it. <laughs> uh, that first crash killed most of my lineups, like right off the bat. Right, the big one, fifteen mm-hmm. laps into the race, and then we all had to wonder who was going to come back into our lineups, right? Because they weren't allowed to touch the cards because it was red flag. Right. So we were all guessing who's going to be able to fix stuff. And then credit to, uh, who was it, Tyler Reddick in the eight car? That thing looked like a 30s hot rod getting <laughs> back on the track. That was nuts. <laughs> and then it was pretty well smooth sailing there for a while. And then with like the final lap, I think like eight more cars got taken out in that, that wreck when Joey decided to block Brad. Um, which then resulted in Brad cussing Joey out on the radio, which was entertaining. <laughs> Um, and then Michael McDowell winning his first ever cup race after 14 seasons in the cup series. Um, good for him. Good for him. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Um, and it really paid off well because I took down the uh, bump and run on FanDuel. Um, yeah, so that was a pretty nice payday. Though I do have to say that because it was FanDuel, I actually had to sweat out to see if McDowell was going to pass post-race tech inspection. No. Because oh, FanDuel, right. unlike DraftKings, FanDuel takes into account post-race tech inspection. So if McDowell had failed it, he would have been disqualified. He would not have been scored. <clears throat> and like 70 points of mine would have disappeared. Mm. <laughs> and I would not have been anywhere close to probably cashing at all. So uh, tech inspection didn't finish till 4 a.m. Eastern <laughs> when they announced McDowell had won. Um, and then I had also bet. Uh, a few bucks on him to win it plus 6600 so that that was a pretty nice payday there um and i had bet on somebody other than one of the big five teams winning at like plus 550 and a ford winning at plus 140 so i turned like 10 bucks worth of bets into about 150 bucks there so. you go man damn good sunday for you yeah that was pretty nice now there's 35 <laughs> more races to go so let's see what happens <laughs> Uh, so we'll turn our attention to Daytona Road Course. Uh, they're not going to be doing practice this week uh, since they ran it uh, last season. So uh, we know the starting order for all three races. Um, we'll go into that uh, shortly. Uh, but do you want to talk a little bit about the road course? I know we just previewed this a couple weeks ago for the Clash, but just to rehash everything and uh, make it fresh in everybody's minds. Yeah, so it's the same It's the same uh, road course that we saw run last year in a pinch when they swapped it in for not being able to run Watkins Glen. And it's also the same road course we saw um, for the Clash on, what, last Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we, we've seen it in all three series now because the Truck, Xfinity, and Cup guys all ran it last, uh, I believe, what, August? Um, late July. And if you watch the 24 hours of Daytona, it's also the same one as that as well. Um, obviously, different vehicles, but same layout. So it's a three-and-a-half-mile lap, 
around Daytona, and it basically encompasses almost all of the Daytona Oval, but about, I don't know, about three-quarters away before you make the turn into turn, what would be NASCAR turn one, they turn into the infield section and go for a couple of sweeping turns, and then there's a loop back, and it kind of turns into, I don't know, it's like a deflated heart-shaped infield section a little bit. A little bit, Um, yeah. That uh, caused a little bit of chaos in the clash. There was a caution for dirt because they were shortcutting one of the turns and kicking dirt up onto the track. Um, I've heard that they've been trying to fix that the last couple days, though. Yeah. Um, well, good luck with the rain. I heard that they were trying to put, like, turtle shells on it just to keep people from going into the dirt. Yeah, which that's probably the only way to keep these guys from shortcutting corners is to right. put things that will literally break <clears throat> the car if they run over them. Um and then, you know, once they finish the infield section, they go into what would be NASCAR's turn one and two down the back stretch. Then there's a, the, like a bus stop around turn what would be turns three and four. And then there's a front stretch chicane, which if you remember, Martin Truex Jr. flat missed it after stage one of the clash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then it's, you know, back down the, the front stretch until you make the turn into turn one, which was a wild turn in the clash. Like everybody locked up their tires going into that turn. Um, Kurt Busch flat missed it one time, just kept going straight. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So it's going to be kind of crazy. Don't know exact weather forecast yet, though. We can always assume it's going to be warm in Florida. It's middle of the afternoon. There's probably going to be some rain chances, though. They will have rain tires. So they will be able to drive on a wet track this week. There's not going to be a six-hour rain delay, I would assume. Uh, Did you want to get into any programming notes before we just dive into all the races? What's coming out when? The whole enchilada? Yeah, so, you know, obviously you're listening to the podcast. This has come out. um, So later on Thursday, the uh, dashboard, the track breakdown dashboard that we got used to last week, that'll be out it'll have a little bit less information because let's face it they've only one run one race at this track though Mm -hmm. we will compare it to similar road courses so there will be some similar stats we can pull on um and all you know the the coach breakdown at the top will be there um then friday we'll have dfs rankings and cut projections out your truck playbook is almost written you said before we started recording so yeah, I just need prices and just to proofread it and everything. Right. So that'll probably be out late Thursday, early Friday morning, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Xfinity playbook out either late Friday, early Saturday. Cup playbook out Saturday. Core plays for Cup out Saturday for Truck and Xfinity. Those will be at the bottom of the playbooks. Um, wager alarm best bets piece probably out Sunday just to make sure that post, uh, pre-race tech inspection doesn't change odds. And uh, my free play video, which seemed to get a lot of nice traction there on Twitter, that'll be out either Saturday or Sunday morning. Love it. All right, you want to just start talking about the races? Yeah, let's go for uh, strategy here for Truck and Xfinity. I feel like the strategy might be kind of the same, same all around, though. Yeah, but I mean, like... So how much are you weighting laps led and dominator points? Because for truck and Xfinity, they're significantly shorter races. 
probably not very much because I know the cup race is 70 laps. The truck right. race is only 44. And you have to keep in mind is like you basically just take the number of laps led and on DK just multiply it by 0 0.7. And that's like your total dominator points. I think for the truck race, there are only 30.8 dominator points available. Sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but you have to keep in mind that some of the laps are going to be run under caution. So realistically, I think we're looking at most 28 dominator points. So personally, if I'm building lineups, I think my strategy is, especially for cup and or for truck and Xfinity, is look for one laps lead dominator and then look for position differential. But the problem is, is that for the truck series, um, you have a lot of guys that are offering position differential. We're like, we're looking at uh, Austin Hill, Brett Moffitt, Johnny Sauter, if he can just keep his head on a swivel. Um, Tyler Ankrum even looks pretty good. Uh, Riley Herbst is going to be stepping in for David Gilliland, and he's going to be starting 25th as of right now. He may drop it back even further. Stuart Friesen, Derek Krause, Todd Gilliland, Tanner Gray, Timmy Hill, uh, Sam Meyer. Like, these are all guys that are starting. Isn't Kaz Grala in the truck race this weekend, too? Uh, he is. He is, actually. I forgot who he was stepping in for. One second. The O2, it, wasn't it in the number two truck? <clears throat> yes, you are correct. Um, and so, like, he's another guy that's specifically a really good uh, road racer. Yeah, he so, finished I mean, top 10 in the cup road race last year for the first time driving a cup car. So Yeah, and at the uh, Xfinity level, he had back-to-back -back top five finishes at Road America. Uh, he had a top 10 at the Roval. He's got a top 15 at Watkins Glen. I mean, this is a guy that does he, very well on road courses. So he's what he's you call a road course ringer, ringer, which is a phrase you're going to hear from us, I guess, kind of a lot this year because there's more road mm -hmm. races this year than normal but yes they're we get these guys they you've heard me talk about them previously for the cup series but we also get them in the truck and xfinity series where they literally just come in to get good finishes on road races because they have the experience in either open wheel racing or um like you know just smaller more like imsa style races or in the case of James Davison, which we'll talk about in the Cup Series, uh, like overseas-type open-wheel racing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, road course ringers. They can be guys that we should pay attention to in DFS because sure. they're actually very cheap, and they're usually <clears throat> taking shots on. Yeah. Uh, so I know I mentioned a lot of names offering a position differential, but what I'm mostly looking at until prices come out, I'm probably going to go with, like, one driver to dominate and then find five guys to offer position differential. Maybe look at two guys that I think could collect some lap sled, but it also depends on the pricing. Cause I know for trucks, any driver that, you know, is typically priced over 10 K they don't typically return value as easily or as well as like the cover or the Xfinity drivers do. Um, we can pivot a little bit to the Xfinity race. I haven't really looked at that one too much only because I've, I've been dedicating like the last two days to writing the truck playbook. I've seen the starting order. Obviously, you have to like Austin Cindric, uh starting on the front row. He's starting second. He doesn't have any PD that he can necessarily offer you. However, I mean, he's he's one of the three best road course ringers in the Xfinity level. The other being AJ Allmendinger, who's starting sixth, and he also will be just as chalky. Um, but if you want like some nice guys to target for position differential, just a few off the bat. I'm not going to go too crazy. Obviously, you can look at. The talented drivers like Allgaier and Gregson, uh, but Preston Pardis, Andy Lally are in play as well. Uh, it, but then, I mean, it's hard not to look at Brandon Jones, who, who has who has won races and he's a Joe Gibbs Racing driver. 
you know, he's starting dead last in 39th, and all he does is offer position differential. I'm pretty sure DraftKings is just holding prices right now because they don't know what to do with Brandon Jones's price. Uh, but again, same strategy. You're going to be looking for one guy to really dominate the race and then find fill in the rest of the lineup with drivers that are just going to offer position differential. And I'll have that playbook out Friday night into Saturday morning, so I'll go over all my favorite plays in that format. Sounds good. Yeah, there's a um, yeah. Chris Wright is stepping in right in the in the uh, 26 car there in Xfinity. I believe so. I thought he was supposed to run trucks, and then he got put into Xfinity. Yeah, to fill yeah. in because the the other guy is running what Cup Series or Truck Series? One of the two. I don't remember right. which. There's some interchangeability here, and we've got some guys who are running multiple series, like Timmy Hill who's running both Xfinity and um, Cup. Uh, Riley yep. Herbst is also running what truck series and Xfinity. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got some guys who will get some a little bit of experience on this track the day before they race their their race. So and if you want a narrative streak, um, Ryan Vargas because he wants to show out for the guy who's sponsoring his car this week, which would be the Saints All Pro running back Alvin Kamara. Oh, we've got truck prices, I believe. Oh, did they just drop? We got breaking news they on the podcast. They did. Austin Hill is most expensive at ten seven. Okay, Tyler Ingram gonna... is ninety eight hundred. Yeah, I mean, and we were expecting DraftKings to do this. They were going to price up the guys that are going to offer more position differential. Yep, that's what they it did all last year. They manipulated prices after starting lineups came out. Um, because they're smart. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they're the house. So trying to find any form of value. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to it. Uh, but let's uh, pivot to the uh, let's go to the cup race. Uh, obviously, when we talk road courses for cup, it comes down to two drivers, Chase Elliott, Martin Truex Jr. Um, we got prices and we got to say, like, we were a little surprised that they didn't price chase Elliott up a little bit more. And I think it's because they probably knew that DFS players and providers were going to be keen on it because if they made chase Elliott, say 12 grand, the odds that he returns the value are okay, but he's not going to, you know, you would really need for a GPP. You would really need chase to truly dominate the race and win it. Yeah. I mean, he's starting on the pole. Um, We've seen him just flat dominate road courses uh, you know, clash aside, which, by the way, he was racing for the win in the last corner of that race. Um, so, yeah, it was a little surprising. I had a sneaky pick for the guy that was going to be the most expensive, and it turns out he's the fourth most expensive on DraftKings, and that's A.J. <laughs> Allmendinger. Right. Um, because he's starting in the back, and the guy is a road course master, and it's not like he's some rookie coming up driving cup cars like the dude drove cup cars for several years and was quite good at it so um he's 10-2 he's actually behind ryan blaney who was leading the clash there for several laps um also a little surprised to see denny hamlin below 10 grand because he had a pretty quick car in the clash about a week and a half ago um kyle bush is 10 grand because he won it on tuesday night because he was in the right place at the right time. So um, those are your most expensive dudes in Cup Series. Martin Truex Jr. is eleven grand. Um, that's not out of the realm of possibility because he's starting what like nineteenth, I think. Um, so 
you know, if Chase Elliott, you know, is the best road course racer right now, Martin Truex would probably be 1B. I mean, the only, aside from the clash, the only guy in the last four seasons, I think, to win a road race in the Cup Series, besides Chase Elliott and Martin Truex Jr., is Ryan Blaney at the Roval when Martin Truex Jr. was spun out in the last corner of the race by Jimmy Johnson. So there's a reason these two dudes are priced <laughs> as high as they are. Um, there's some interesting, there's some interesting prices though as we go down in the mid tier that we were that we were spotting. Um, well, before we dive to the mid tier, uh, who do you think you're going to end up being heavier on? I understand on Fanduel, you it, most of the ownership is probably going to pivot to Truex over Elliott. Uh, strictly because also Chase is fourteen thousand dollars on FanDuel. Which... Yeah, and FanDuel doesn't value laps led as much, and, no. and you know, so it really is just about finishing position. But how do we feel about Ellie? Because ten seven seems pretty reasonable. I mean, what are the odds that you think he can return six x value? I mean, granted, he needs to win and dominate the race, but do you still think that it's a road course? Do you still think we're going to get Chase at fifty five to sixty percent ownership? Well, probably. I mean, if we go based off of last year's. Um, go bowling 235, um, which was the points-paying race at this course. Uh, Chase started seventh, won the race, had 18 fastest laps and 34 laps led. So he led basically half the laps in that race mm-hmm. um, and won it. He started seventh. Now he's starting on the pole, so you take away six points of position differential right off the bat. Um, he's going to have to lead probably half the laps to hit value at that point, right? I mean, because if he doesn't win, he's going to lose three or four points between not getting the three-point bonus for winning and then losing a position point, right? Mm -hmm. So he's got to make that up in fastest laps and laps led. Um, Do I think he can do it? Yeah, that car was really good on Tuesday and assume I mean assuming they have a similar car sure it's possible just because that was a, like a very abbreviated race it was a smaller field but he started from the back and he was still in contention to win it at the end yeah I mean technically he was what seventh and then well, he, had he had to, to drop from to the, the back route. because yeah. of unapproved adjustments um and he was still in contention to win it late and that was only what 34 five laps it's basically half as long mm-hmm. um i'd probably lean towards truex right now for the pd for the pd i know he's like 300 bucks more but if truex gets a top five finish he basically hits value and doesn't have to lead laps right yeah so um if you hear odd noises in the background by the way it's my dog snoring while she's sleeping it's a cute pup uh, yeah. All right, so uh, we'll dive to the mid-range. Uh, William Byron is someone that kind of jumps off the page. Uh, you you really talked me on to him for the clash. I still really like him uh, for this race as well. Uh, I think he has like four straight top ten finishes at road courses, um, and he's only eighty eight hundred on DraftKings. So yeah, he's, he started he's very fifth. Much in play. He started fifth and finished fifth in the clash, and then last year in this race, uh, he started thirteenth and finished eighth. Um, though I will say his average run position was 12.8, so he's closer to running towards where he started than where he finished for most of the race, but he still finished with the top 10. 
um, took advantage of some stuff late. Um, so, you know, he's not going to be a guy that gets out there and leads a lot of laps. Right. Um, but he he is pretty intriguing at that price point, given his... Um, starting 24th. Yeah, he's starting 24th. Uh, he's actually, sorry, starting 22nd in the 24 car. Um, but yeah, given his recent history um, at these tracks... Given the fact that he's working with a road coach who knows what the heck he's doing, um, yeah, he's he's also by the way ninety six hundred bucks on Fanduel, which is pretty reasonable on Fanduel. That's below average over there. So, yeah, William Byron jumps out. Um, who else Chase you like in this range? Kind of intriguing at eighty four hundred. Where's he starting? Thirtieth or something. He's going to be starting pretty far back because he got he was caught up in that first. Um, oh, wait. No, he actually had gotten back on the track. Where is he starting? He's starting 18th. Um, sorry, I forgot he got back on the track there for a while. Finished. He was several laps down, but he he finished. So he's starting 18th. Um, and he had some success last year in Xfinity at road courses, right? He won the crazy finish at the Indy Road mm-hmm. course. Um, so I think he also led like 26 laps at DRC last summer as well. Yeah. Um, so he's worth a shot in the mid tier for sure. Uh, Eric Jones is pretty intriguing at 7,800 bucks. I'm really intrigued by Eric Jones. Is he strictly just a GPP play? Because I know he's got PD on his side, but it it just feels like you you can only play him in GPPs. Yeah, we were talking about this before the pod, right? And I said he was a if you're comping it to baseball, he's a guy who's going to go zero for four or hit two home runs, right? Yeah. He's either going to get you nothing or he's going to like just absolutely light up the park. Um, he's starting thirty seventh. It's pretty hard to avoid him starting back there. The guy had a pretty good. Uh, race here last year. He started 20th, finished 11th. Uh, average running position was 13-1. So he was a lot... He spent more time running closer to where he finished than where he started. Um, so, and then in the in the class, he held his own. He started 9th, finished 8th. Um, but he seemed to be kind of in the middle of stuff most of the night. So that's a guy... It was really pretty intriguing, but yeah, he's a GPP guy. Um, Tyler Reddick was like driving the clash like it was bumper cars on Tuesday. Like he was bouncing off of everybody. Yeah, I remember he looked like a rookie in that race. Yeah, so I don't know if the nighttime drive caught him off guard. He did say that it was the first race with fans in the stand, so he's going to put on a show, but there's better ways to do that than bouncing off of everybody. Um, so he's a, Newman. Newman, the advantage that Newman has is that he's hard to pass, right? Road courses, you got to be able to pass on road yeah. courses to get anywhere. And Newman is really hard to pass. Um, last year, I got to refresh my memory as to what Newman did. He started 14th and finished 19th. Um, but he got all the way up to sixth at one point. So, um, you know, he's kind of a guy that's a GPP. On that side note, Tyler Reddick started 18th and finished 18th um, and really only got his highest 12th. So um, he basically spent his entire race in the teens. Um, one guy I can tell you I'm avoiding right off the bat is Kevin Harvick. 
zero interest in playing Kevin Harvick this week. Just not a road ringer? No, he's not. He's not a very – I mean, he has wins at road courses, right, because the guy's a very good driver. But of late, road courses have not been where it's been at for uh, Kevin Harvick. The guy spun out like four times on Tuesday in a 35-lap race. Part of it was there's some narrow corners and he got shoved to a spot that induces spins. But still, that's part of road racing. Um, He started on the pole last year and finished 17th. So I don't really have any interest in spending 9200 bucks on a guy that's not great at road racing right now. And how do you feel about the uh, the worst of teammates and the even worse, uh, more worse of friends between Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano? We actually like them for. I was really high on heavy on Logano for the Clash a couple, I guess a week and a half ago, and it didn't pay off for most of the race because he really damaged his car early on. But he actually came back and had a decent finish. Yeah, he snuck in with a pretty good finish because he benefited. I mean, he finished third, right? Um. So, um, you know, he benefited from the fact that Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney spun each other out. Though Chase Elliott still finished second in that race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I've. it's tricky because Logano's clearly a better road racer than Kislowski, but Kislowski's real, real pissed at uh, the guy they call Slice Bread. Uh, for blocking his run in the last corner of the Daytona 500 and causing the accident, essentially, in Brad's mind. Um, the Penske guy um, higher on is Blaney. He's also the most expensive, yeah. but the guy looked the best, and he's also the only other guy to win a points-paying road race in the Cup Series other than Truex and Chase Elliott in like, the last four seasons. So, um, Unfortunately, we cannot play Michael McDowell. Uh, on Sunday, he's starting second. Yeah, it, it can only get zero good. value there. It can only go down. Um, not looking at him. Ross Chastain, though, I am intrigued by that guy's a pretty good road racer. Um, not looking at Bubba Wallace again. That guy has historically not been good at road races, and his joke is that he doesn't do well when they have to turn the opposite direction. Um, yeah, you know, Ty Dillon should be back. In the road and in, in the Cup Series this week, so he's an intriguing guy. Timmy Hill is a very intriguing guy, and how about James Davison, the road ringer? We started this segment off on. Uh, he'll be starting basically. Uh, well, what he's starting mid pack is what we discovered. Davison. Oh no, he's starting at the he's starting at he's the back. Last row with Timmy Hill. Yeah. Yeah, he's in thirty ninth. Um. So yeah, he's pretty intriguing. Those two dudes. Um, you know, you could build a pretty decent core for PD out of Eric Jones, James Davison, and Timmy Hill for GPPs. Um, all right, so we we kicked off like the the race breakdowns discussing strategy. How does your strategy change for the Cup Series? Because there are more races available, or not races, there are more laps available for the Cup Series race. So obviously that lends itself to more Dominator points. Yeah, so I'm still gonna stick with the similar one <clears throat> to you. Um. In that we're, I'm gonna, you know, kind of hold out for one dominator, um, and then go for, you know, a guy who may have a shot at dominating, but you don't really expect him to, and then fill out the rest with um, position differential. 
Um, if you were now, building a cash lineup, would you just look for position differential and not worry too much about a dominator? Or would you still be okay with chasing cash? I'm probably not going to play chasing cash. Only because unless it's a short track, I'm kind of, I, I don't tend to like to play the pole sitter in cash games. Mm-hmm. The only reason I do it on a short track is because it's really hard to pass on a short track. So, and you're going to click off a bunch of laps led pretty quick. Um, I mean, he's not a full cash fade for me, but it's just, um, FanDuel he is because there's no you, you're not getting points for laps led, right? Right. You're not going to spend fourteen thousand dollars for a guy to go out and lead half the laps and then do <clears> second. That's mm-hmm. not going to get you very far. Um, he's not a full cash fade for me, but I still think he's a stronger GPP play in my mind. Unless you're reading it differently than I am. No, no, no. I mean, I completely agree. Like, he's he's obviously a very good GPP play. I mean, there's no way I'm not going to include him in some right. GPP lineups. It's just I was ready to be lighter than the field when I thought he was going to be maybe 11.5 on DraftKings. But now that the price tag is a little more reasonable, I, I think I'm okay with – if I was making 20 lineups, I think I'd still plug Chase into – six or seven which i think is reasonable because i still think his ownership will be well over 50 percent yeah i think he's going to be pretty highly because it's chase elliott at a road course exactly people still have tuesday fresh in their mind when he almost won the race and you know it's not really going to matter to them that he's starting on the pole um so in cash games i'll be much heavier on truex and i will be on chase elliott agreed but in GPPs, it's probably the opposite. All right. Did you have any final thoughts for uh, Daytona Road Course? Should be a fun weekend. It should be a fun weekend. This one should be, let's put it this way, it will be more, uh, or, well, let's say this. It'll be less chaotic than the Daytona 500, even though it's at the same venue. Um, you know, we still expect there to be some some chaos. It's an NASCAR race. It's going to happen. Um, if you went light last week, this is a good week to go a little bit heavier. A little bit heavier. We're still not full bore. That'll come probably next week at Homestead, which is a much a more predictable. Yeah, and by the way, get ready to see Kyle Larson be perhaps, perhaps the most expensive driver for Homestead Miami. I love it. Because that guy's spectacular at Homestead Miami. But we'll touch more on that next week. All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck to you with the Daytona Road Course. I look forward to seeing you at the top of the standings with the bump and run once again. And best of luck to the FA Nation trying to take you down. (laughs) Best of luck, FA Nation.